Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz, and I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you for tuning in to a, another edition of our late-night edition of Dead Talk Live. Uh, I apologize for being uh, a little bit late again tonight, but it's for good reasons. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us at deadtalklive.com. Also, feel free to visit us on any of our five social platforms that we simultaneously stream to, which include YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. I want to say a big thank you and a welcome to all our moderators. We have Singer Chick, Khaleesi, of course, Saz on the YouTube side, as well as Facebook and all the other ones, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, sorry, Instagram is Marie. You see, I confused the moderators. We, we stream on so many different platforms, i got to keep my moderators uh, straight. On Instagram, we have Marie. And lots of props goes out to Marie, who handles Instagram all on her own. On the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch side, we have, of course, Saz, the great and wonderful Saz, as well as Khaleesi and Singer Chick. So thank you guys. You do an amazing job each and every night. And I appreciate all the work that you guys do. Want to welcome some of our viewers. We have John Bond Zombie. Awesome name, John Bond Zombie. is with us on YouTube. CC Wayne is also with us. Just scrolling down the list here. Uh, let's see. We have on Facebook, we have Lindsay, Colette, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa, Rogerio. I uh, hope everyone's having a good evening. It's Friday evening, at least here in the East Coast in the United States. I know we have viewers all around the world. For some of you guys, it's Saturday morning. If it is, I hope you're having a good morning. Uh, and for all of you guys that are going to watch this on replay, I hope you're having a good day, whatever day of the week it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a good mood today. It's Friday. Why shouldn't we be in a good mood? It's the start of the weekend. Uh, and a lot of good stuff. Hopefully everything will go good. We have a Walking Dead episode that was released yesterday on AMC+. Plus. I have yet to see it, but uh, from what I'm hearing, it's a great episode. And I'm probably going to watch it tomorrow. More than likely, I will definitely watch it tomorrow. And uh, because of our guests that we have coming up on Monday and Tuesday... We will not be able to do our Walking Dead episode review till Wednesday. Monday, we have Dave Davis, the star of the movie The Vigil, which just came out, which just, came out just a, a little over a week ago on uh, on-demand services. Amazing movie. Tackles uh, uh, the Jewish faith and tradition in regards to demons. And it's a great movie. You guys have to watch it. Uh, he's going to be our guest here on Monday, Tuesday. Very excited to have Marnie Carpenter, who plays Catherine Martin on their hit show, Clarice. And I, I watched last night's episode. I love this show. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I love Clarice. Uh, Michael Cudlitz yesterday. Oh, man, was he on fire. He has tackled the role of Paul Krendler into this such such a lovable role if you guys remember the very short you know i don't even know what to call it 
We didn't see him, the character, that much in Silence of the Lambs, but he wasn't a very likable character. Uh, and even in the first episode of Clarice, Michael Cudlitz comes across as this very crass, hard-nosed, uh, you know, FBI agent who is starting up this new division called Vicap, who really has it out for Clarice. But yesterday was episode number four. So from the first episode, as each episode progressed and we got to see more of Michael Cudlitz portraying Paul Krendler and his progression, you really start to love love him. You really do. You get to find out what he's about, how he will do anything to protect his team. And yesterday it was a big revelation and we find out that the reason why he's so upset at Clarice is because she put her safety on the line when it came to Buffalo Bill and how she took him down without any backup. And that's the main beef that he has with Clarice. Those two together, Rebecca Breeds, who plays Clarice, and Michael Cudlitz, who, pay, who plays Paul Krendler, have this dynamic chemistry on the screen. And I have even emailed Michael Cudlitz, and I've shared this with him, who he is going to be coming on to our show sometime soon to discuss Clarice. We don't have a date yet, but Michael Cudlitz will be coming back here to Dead Talk Live to talk about Clarice. Uh, they have this amazing dynamic, those two. Rebecca Breeds, who plays Clarice, and Michael Cudlitz, who plays Paul Krendler. And it has such a great cast. Cal Penn, I'm such a huge fan of Cal Penn. Cal Penn was on the hit show House uh, for many, many years. One of our prior guests, Peter Jacobson, who is now on Fear of the Walking Dead, was Cal Penn's co-star on House for five years, for five seasons. No, sorry, Cal Penn did not make it to the end. Uh, Peter Jacobson made it to the end, but uh, Cal Penn's character on House befalls a very tragic faith. Uh, fate, sorry, uh, tragic fate. Uh, he didn't make it all the way to the end of the series. Uh, but Cal Penn has also appeared in Designated Survivor, and now he's on Clarice. Great actor. And for those of you that don't know, the reason why Cal Penn left his role on House was because he was offered a position at the White House, at the incoming Obama administration White House. So he left acting for a little bit, to actually go and work at the White House. And now he's on Clarice. Uh, Jane Atkinson, Atkinson is on Clarice. Uh, you know, House of Cards, Madam Secretary, uh, Criminal Minds. Oh, man, her resume just goes on and on. Anyway, an amazing uh, cast of characters. And CeCe Wayne, of course. Cal Penn got his start with Harold and Kumar. I mean, that's Kumar. Uh, and I'm so excited for him that his career, both those two guys' career, just exploded after Harold and Kumar. Uh, both of them. And it's great. I don't know how many of you guys actually watched 
any of the Harold and Kumar movies, they're hysterical. <laughs> How can you not like Harold and Kumar? Uh, but anyway, those are our two guests coming up Monday and Tuesday. Make sure you tune in for those. Uh, it's going to be our normal start time of 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. And that's coming up next week, uh, Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, we will recap uh, the second episode of these bonus six episodes of The Walking Dead. So that's the schedule starting on Monday. So let's go ahead and get you know a look at some of the news that's come out uh, over the last 24 hours. There's been quite a bit of stuff. You know, here and there, a nice mixed bag of everything and anything. Uh, ten horror movies where you don't see the monster. All right. Number ten, Hereditary. Uh, that's kind of debatable because, well, the monster, yeah, it is an ancient demon. We don't get to see the demon in demon form, but we do get to see the demon throughout the entire movie as he, uh, through the people that he possesses. First off, it's the little girl, and I know I'm spoiling it for, the, spoiling it for you guys who haven't watched Hereditary yet. Uh, great movie. Uh, first, it was the little girl, and by the end of the movie, you find out that a whole ritual was done to bring this uh, demon, who goes by the name of Paimon, into our world, and they screwed up somehow, the people that were trying to bring him into our world. And he was brought into the body of a young girl instead of a young boy. So the movie takes a whole bunch of twists and turns on how this cult, and that's what they are. They are a cult, uh, try to, trying to correct our mistake and bring payment into his rightful body of a young male. And uh, it's just an amazing movie. It's scary. It's got a great story, great cast, great acting. There's not a single bad thing I can say about Hereditary. And it's available on the streaming platform of your choice. Let's see. Next on the list, The Mothman Prophecies. Oh, Richard Gere, going back. Great movie. Loosely based on... Uh, real events i will definitely put in on that disclaimer it was about the uh a bridge collapsing that is absolutely true uh it was not in any way really related to any kind of mothman prophecies but they they decided to take the events forget the name of the bridge but it's a bridge that links ohio with west Virginia. I think I, those are the two states. Uh, the bridge does collapse and the whole movie uh, basically centers around how they're getting these prophecies that this terrible tragic event is going to happen. It affects people throughout the town uh, in various circumstances. Another good movie we do kind of, you know, this article is about where we don't get to see the monster. But in the Mothman prophecies, you can kind of argue that as we do see very, very short glimpses of the Mothman uh, in dreams and in visions. Uh, especially as Richard Gere is recounting the death of his wife in the movie. 
So, I don't know about that. They do kind of show him a little bit here and there. Next on the list, Fallen. Uh, much like Hereditary, the Denzel Washington starring 1998 horror film Fallen revolves around a fallen angel, Azazel, which uses human beings as hosts. In this case, however, Azazel is able to jump between hosts via physical contact and also possess anything within a breath's distance in the event that his current host dies. That's also a good movie. And they're right. We don't really see, uh, kind of like Hereditary, you just see the demon, uh, or angel, sorry, it's an angel in this case, uh, through the host, not the actual angel himself. Number seven, The Cabin in the Woods. The Cabin in the Woods is a really interesting example. You're probably wondering what the sci-fi horror film is doing on this list, given that it holds basically nothing back in unleashing a fleet of monsters upon its characters, particularly in its brilliant, deranged third act. And Cabin in the Woods, for those of you that haven't watched it, the ending is something to see. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. All right, next on the list, Cat People, 1942. I have not heard of this. Movie revolves uh, around Irina Dubrovna. Sorry if I butchered that. A young woman who believes herself to be descended from the ancient tribe of people who will transform into panthers upon becoming sexually aroused. Now, this movie was redone. And the star of the movie, let me see if I get this name right, was Natasha Kinski. Yeah, that was her name. This movie was redone back in the 1980s. I believe it's a remake of this original movie back in 42. So it's been a while since I've seen it, but I know it was a great film. Uh, let's go Rosemary's Baby. It seems every list you go through involving horror you are going to find Rosemary's Baby on it in one way or another. Roman Polanski's psychological horror classic follows the titular woman played by Mia Farrow as she is quite literally dealing with a pregnancy from hell. Given that she's raped by Satan halfway through the film and then gives birth to his spawn at the climax. Great movie. I'm sure a lot of you have already seen it. Number four is Duel. Um, I've not seen this one. It's certainly possible to take Steven Spielberg's iconic directorial debut at face value, that it's simply a tale of a man, a man played by Dennis Weaver, being relentlessly pursued by the anonymous driver of a rusted-out tanker truck. All right. Let's see what's next. The Haunting. 1963, you got to specify the year because a number of movies have taken on the title of The Haunting. Resident Weiss's 1963 masterpiece, Peace, The Haunting, is a sublime exercise in chilly restraint and much like Cat People, favors a minimalistic presentation over splashy jump scares and goofy effects. And... Number two, The Evil Dead, the first one, the original. 
that Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead isn't a complete laughingstock is nothing short of a miracle given the absolutely ramshackle nature of the movie's production. Now, I'm sorry. Uh, th this was mentioned in a prior article that we have read where they have lumped the first Evil Dead into the category of a, of a comedy. No. The Evil Dead 2, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I was disappointed when I first saw it. It took several times of me watching it to start and to appreciate it. But the first Evil Dead movie is not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. It is one of the scariest movies I have ever seen. And uh, I have no idea uh, why they keep lumping it in into comedy horror. For me, that makes no sense whatsoever. That is, it's a genuinely unsettling and intense horror, despite its budgetary constraints, is a testament to Raimi's go-for-broke filmmaking above all else, and the steely presence of Bruce Campbell, of course. Perhaps Raimi's single smartest decision was to keep the malevolent spirits off the screen in their purest form, instead using possessed humans to act as their conduits. Uh, and let me tell you what, the possession of those humans uh, is probably just as scary as whatever the real demons might have looked like. Great makeup effects in The Evil Dead for its time. And the number one movie is The Borderlands. Cult classic horror The Borderlands is an especially diverting entry into the found footage subgenre following two men sent by the Vatican to investigate reports of paranormal activity in a recently reopened 13th century Devon church. Per its low budget, the film has a vested interest in subtly showering the viewer as, sorry, uh, showering, showing, showing the viewer as little as possible ensuring audiences remain as skeptical as our protagonist for much of the time. This is a great movie for those of you who have not watched it. Colette writes, I love, like The Evil Dead, like The Haunting 2. C.C. Wayne writes, uh, The Silver Bridge, that's the name of the bridge that was uh, the real events happened in The Mothman Prophecies. Uh, Rosemary Baby fans, um, Lisa Wright's Duel was a great movie. Uh, all You guys are all right. Yep, you're absolutely correct. Uh, just going through the chats here. Wait, C.C. Wayne writes, it was the Moundsville Bridge. Silver Bridge and Point Place. I think, I think it's Silver Bridge. Uh... I don't know, but the Silver Bridge is the one that rings the, the biggest bells for me. Either way, we can look it up after the show. I uh, want to welcome Huggy, who is with us on Instagram. Mina has also joined us. Isaac is with us on Instagram. Custom has also joined us. Welcome to all you guys on Instagram. So let's move on. Uh, the Walking Dead's Daryl's Dog Origin. All right? Now... I'd love to find out Daryl's dog origin, and I'm sure all of you guys who have seen this latest episode uh, 
probably already have seen the origins of Daryl's dog, who, of course, is brilliantly named Dog. Uh, Daryl meets Dog for the first time in this exclusive clip from The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 18. So that is this week's episode. Plus, our first look at Lynn Collins' mysterious Leia. The Walking Dead Season 10 continues to dig into the past with Find Me, which takes place, uh, which, which takes a look back at the years Daryl spent in exile from Alexandria. And when they say exile, they should say self-imposed exile from Alexandria, searching for Rick Grimes after the bridge explosion in season nine that marked Andrew Lincoln's exit from the TV show. We all know that Rick isn't dead, but Daryl doesn't. So he spends the next six years searching for any sign of the Alexandrian leader's remains, at the very least so that Daryl can put the man he calls his brother to rest. That's how committed Daryl Dixon is. Daryl revisits this unseen period in his life while out hunting with Carol. As memories of his lost years begin to come back to him, but we won't spoil what's coming up in the episode. Thank you, because I haven't seen it yet. Just read the synopsis for Find Me Below for some hints. Daryl and Carol find an old cabin that takes Daryl back to his years away from the group after Rick disappeared. He relives that painful memory of meeting a reticent survivor and the toxic events that amplified his relationship with Dog. Indeed, Dog plays a major role in the episode as the trusty companion who bridges the gap between Daryl's past and present. The very good boy also leads Daryl to a new character he'll meet in the episode, the mysterious Leia, who is played by Lynn Collins from True Blood. Daryl and Leia's first meeting is far from friendly, as you can see below in an exclusive clip from the episode. I'm not going to play this. Uh, I don't want to ruin it. I'm going to watch the episode in the next 24 hours. I know a lot of you have already watched it. And from all reports, it's a kick-ass episode. So I'm not going to play this clip. Uh, so if you guys want to watch it, this is Den of Geek. You can go on their website and check it out yourself. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, Daryl Dixon kicks ass. Uh, Lisa writes, can't wait to see if or when Judith tells Daryl that Michonne went looking for the big brave man, who we all know is Rick Grimes. And Colette, <laughs> Colette, he's shit hot, as Lizzie would say. Lizzie, your term shit hot is catching on fire. <laughs> I love that. All right. Now, Andy Matichak is the girl who was in the Halloween 2018 movies. She plays Jamie Lee Curtis's granddaughter. You guys, most of you have seen the new, uh, the latest Halloween 2018. And she's also in Halloween Kills, which is coming out this October. And she's also in Halloween Ends. Uh, I think as these movies progress, Andy's character is going to become, I mean, she was significant 
in Halloween 2018 to begin with, but I think her significance is going to grow bigger and bigger through Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. Uh, keeping the tradition with most, most entries into the Halloween franchise, one of the key figures in the narrative of the 2018 film was cast with a relatively unknown performer. Only for Andy Matichak's starring turn, uh, resulting in her being afforded a number of exciting opportunities. Without being much of a much of a horror fan prior to joining the long-running franchise, one might think she would avoid returning to the genre at all costs. And we have spoken from horror uh, to horror actors from every generation, and they all say the same thing. Doing horror movies, whether you are a fan of watching the genre or not, acting in horror movies is one of the best experiences in their life. It's just really fun to shoot. Uh, Only to surprise fans by starring in Ivan Kavanaugh's Son. Far from being the slasher that we saw in Halloween, Son explores all new corners of fear and terror, which Matichak found to be the perfect way to broaden her horizons after encounters with Michael Myers. Sun is out now in theaters, on demand, and digital HD. After a mysterious... What's the difference between on demand and digital HD? I'm sorry, I just read that really quickly, and right after I read it, I'm like, what's the difference between on demand and digital HD. Uh, Most of the on-demand stuff is digital HD. Anyway. After a mysterious group of individuals break into Laura's home and attempt to steal her eight-year-old son, David, the two of them flee town in search of safety. But soon after a failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasingly sporadic psychosis and convulsions following her material her maternal instincts to save him laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son and being a parent myself there is no limits as to how far you will go to save your children they just don't exist comicbook.com recently caught up with matichak to talk about the new film, her experiences with horror, and what to expect in Halloween Kills. Uh, Since I assume you've been inundated with offers to join horror projects since Halloween, and since you said you weren't a huge horror fan earlier in your career, what was it about Sun that really stood out and made you want to get involved? Her response? I would actually consider myself more of a horror fan now. Once I booked Halloween, my perspective shifted. Before, I was just too terrified to watch horror. You see, Marie, you're not by yourself. But Marie, you see, as Andy, she gave it a chance and she liked it. I'm talking to our moderator, Marie, who is just deathly afraid of watching horror. Anyway... Uh, She goes on to say, but then after making them and having that experience, 
in being exposed to the horror community and how spectacular of a group of people that is, it made me love the genre in a really deep way. Um, and yes, I have gotten a lot of a, a lot of scripts. One of the things that excited me the most about doing Sun was really the group of collaborators that were more involved. I had met Renee Bastian, who had who I had long admired many, many of his films, and he's one of our producers on Sun. And I had met him from for a previous project that ended up, that ended up not panning out for a multitude of reasons, and then he brought Sun to me. Working with him always seemed really exciting, but it needed to be the right project. So once I met Ivan and heard about his vision for the film, and also saw the movies that he and Anne-Marie have made together, our other producer, Louis Tisney, was involved. It was just a really cool group of people that have a very eclectic, that have very eclectic backgrounds in films that are out that made it just seem like an interesting opportunity to not pass up. Uh, there you go. And you guys, if you want to see it, the movie is called Sun. It's not out yet. It's still in production. But I think Andy did an amazing job in Halloween 2018. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her character progress in Halloween Kills. And then, of course, Halloween Ends. But we got to wait. We got to wait till October. If it wasn't for COVID, we would, we would have already had Halloween Kills. It was slated for release last October. But because of COVID uh, and, you know, Blumhouse wanting to release it on Halloween and in particular in theaters, hopefully by the time this October rolls around, a lot more theaters will be open and we will actually get to see Halloween Kills. More than likely, it's going to be simultaneously released, as movies are being today, uh, simultaneously in theaters, as well as video on demand and digital HD, because apparently there's a difference. Anyway, uh, New Yorker discovers secret room behind bathroom mirror reminding horror fans of Candyman. All right. Samantha Hartso rents an apartment in New York City, and recently she noticed a strange draft coming from her bathroom. Searching for the source, Hartso eventually discovered that her medicine cabinet mirror was loose. Documenting her sleuthing endeavors for TikTok, what unfolded seems disturbingly similar to a scene from Bernard Rose's Candyman. In Candyman, back in 92, graduate student Helen Lyle, played by Virginia Madsen, invest investigates the source of an urban legend that has terrorized the residents of Chicago's Cabrini Green housing project. While investigating one of one resident's bathroom, she discovers a secret entrance into the lair of Candyman, played by Tony Todd, another horror legend. You can watch Hartso's mystery unfold over the course of four videos on TikTok. And uh, you know what? Let's just check this out. <laughs> uh, we, 
I gotta see what this is. In my New York City apartment, and it's cold, right? Obviously, it doesn't matter how high the heat goes, I'm cold, right? So I walk into my bathroom. Right here, I feel cold air blowing on me. There's not a vent or anything. So I feel here, and there's cold air coming through this hole. So I type it up. I type it up. I don't know why there's cold air coming through here, but we're not having it. I stand here, and look. Look at that. You can see my hair blowing in the cold wind. So I start searching. I start searching, right? Okay, there's a, there's a vent up there. Nothing's coming out. There's, there's a little bit of air coming out of this light switch, but there's not enough air to blow this hard on me. You can't see it now. Look at it. They blow in. So I start feeling, and the air is coming from the mirror. Okay. And I realize the mirror moves. Let me show you what I found in my New York City. Before we get to see, this is fascinating, but before we get to see uh, what's behind her mirror mystery, uh, it's New York City, okay? So, first off, that's number one. I'm from New York. I was born and raised there, and uh, yeah, the house that I grew up in, and which is now my house in New York, was built in 1901. Uh, as all the buildings in New York City, uh, there are not that many new ones. So if, I don't, I don't know if she's a native New Yorker or not, it doesn't really sound that way, but having weird drafts in your bathroom in a New York City apartment or house uh, is not odd. But, you know, let's, let's see what she finds out. Bathroom. The reveal in part two. Well, where the hell is part two? Oh, come on, guys. You can't just give us part one and then not give us part two. That sucks. Let's see if we can view her profile. Now we definitely have to see what these videos are about. Part two. All right, here it is. Okay, again, not... Just the electrical. Oh, no, no, no. There's a room back there. <laughs> so what if someone's living in there right now? <laughs> the weirdest part about, about this is they didn't fill it out on either side of this hole. Have you watched the movie Parasite? I need more answers. I have to go in and figure out what is on the other side of my bathroom. Like, what if someone's living in there? Do you think my hips can fit through here? Uh, okay, are you ready? I really don't think so. <laughs> are you gonna be there for me or not? I'll be here. Ready? Yes. How many of you guys would go oh, into that room? Okay. You can't. No, okay. Okay. All right, now let's go to part three. I, I don't know, but I feel like we just got to see this through. If I can't fit through here, I think I can. So we throw this over there, and we'll use that as a platform. Is that like it's Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> mean it when you swing it. That's good, right, Sasha? Guys, please take care of me. Khaleesi says she would not go in there. Come on, guys. How many of you guys would go into a little hole behind your bathroom Oh, your mirror? hip's not going to make it. <laughs> get a booty shot. 
straddling the inside of this wall right now. What's my What's my game plan? John? I'm touching something. Why doesn't she go is in it? head first? <laughs> oh man. She's actually doing it. Oh my god. I have nothing to hold on to. I think the pipe can hold me. Oh my god. She's actually in. Okay, John, stay right here. You're in the other side of the dimension. <laughs> go onward. Okay. Go on, says I wouldn't. I can't get through here. I think I can. Let's see what part four is, and I really hope this just did not waste eight minutes of our lives. My hammer, my hammer. Is there a wrong way to hold a hammer to kill somebody? No. John, there's trash bags and stuff. You smell something dying. It looks like another apartment that they sealed off. Yeah, it's intriguing. Wow, Why seal off thing. another apartment? Especially how expensive apartments are in New York City. Okay, great, great. I'm gonna go ahead and lock this door. Made it out alive. My landlord's getting a really fun phone call tomorrow. Hi, neighbor, how are you? Oh. I apologize for that. I did not know what was that. What was that? I didn't know what it was going to be, but basically, to sum it up, she found a hole in the back of her bathroom mirror, and it leads to a sealed-off apartment. Now, you know, like I've just mentioned, apartments in New York City are crazy expensive. Why would someone want to seal off what looks to be a fully livable apartment that just needs some fixing up? That's the big question, and that's the big mystery for me. But, uh, anyway... Let's move on. Sorry I wasted sorry I wasted like five minutes of your guys' life on that one. The Walking Dead star Lauren Cohen reveals how she wants the show to end. Uh, the Walking Dead's extended 10th season, six episodes. We know recently we saw Maggie return in the season premiere as she had a reunion with Negan. The meeting was brief, without trouble, which surprised many viewers. But with the show finishing after good for good after season 11, Cohen uh, discussed how her ideal ending for The Walking Dead would look like and also expressed her hopes for Maggie. She told Conan uh, O'Brien, I would like there to be a cure. And maybe my mind has changed since we've been going through COVID, but I would love for there for Maggie's character not to die by a zombie and for there to just be some sort of slow reveal of this return to normalcy. How many of you guys would want to see that be the ending for The Walking Dead? Uh, I, first of all, as I keep mentioning over and over again, there are no happy endings in The Walking Dead apocalyptic universe, so I really do not believe that's how the writers are going to go. Anyway, she goes on to say, you sort of like find her uh, house listening to Dire Straits and 85 years old and there's like some more kids. I don't know a couple of German Shepherds. Cohen added, I just kind of think it would be nice. Don't get me wrong. I have definitely imagined, you know, Rick returning 
and Michelle returning and the real kinds of things that could happen. And it does say Michelle. I did not mispronounce that, but I think she means Michonne. But I'd love to see something cozy, you know, maybe something, some people knitting. Mm. Now, that's not how I see The Walking Dead ending after 11 seasons. Uh, wrapping it up nicely with a bow, uh, you know, with people, you know, walking into a rainbow or a sunset and everyone living happily ever after. Especially since we're getting spinoffs after the original show ends. So, it's a nice thought, but I don't see it happening. So, I'm just keeping an eye on the time. Uh, let's see, where do we go next? Uh, uh, no, no. The latest issue of Haleon finds X-Men villain Mr. Sinister held captive by the supervillain Arcade, who has also trapped Marvel's ragtag team of mutants in a virtual reality of their ideal life. Okay, I don't see what the horror is in this. Uh, Helion's number 10 was written by Zeb Wells and illustrated by Steven Segovia. And David Curiel sees the team betrayed by mutant illusionist Mastermind, whose daughter, Lady Mastermind, has been captured by Arcade. Okay, I, I guess the title of this, A Marvel Villain Just Made a Hilarious Reference to Classic Horror Films. I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but the reference they are talking about is Chucky. Uh, we all remember Chucky, Chucky Doll, and uh, the voice of Chucky, the brilliant Brad Dourif. But that's what this is about. Uh, let's see if we can fit one more here. Uh, B-horror movies with superb female antagonists. Okay? This sounds somewhat interesting. Uh, let's give a little bit of love to those B-horror movies. Uh, where's the damn list? There's no list. Okay. B-horror movies with superb female antagonists. But what's apparently missing is the actual list. For when you think about it, modern blockbusters rarely feature women in villainous roles. For every female that manages to get her time to shine, there are at least 10 male counterparts already out. In the 10 plus years that Marvel Cinema Cinematic Universe has dominated the big screen, for example, Gila is the only female to get a main villainous role. B-movies, for all their flaws, haven't had this problem, giving rise to some genuinely superb female antagonists. Check out the video by Marvelous Videos below for the first 10 of the best of the worst. It's a video. Okay, we don't have time for a video, but... Uh, I know this actress, and for the life of me, her name is not coming to me. Uh, she was a very famous actress back in the 80s. Did her share of B-horror movies, but was also in some pretty known horror movies as well. I know her, but like I said, for the life of me, I can't remember her name. Anyway, let's get on with today's topic. Alright, so today's topic is sleep paralysis. Just a quick, you know, go around. Does anybody here has 
suffered, is suffering uh, from sleep paralysis? Does anyone here not know what sleep paralysis is? Sleep paralysis is basically, uh, it's a condition, it's real, it's been tested, it's been uh, studied somewhat. Uh, Colette writes, my daughter has it bad. I'm sorry to hear that, Colette. Uh, I hope it goes away. Lisa had it in her teens. Uh, for those of you that don't know, sleep paralysis occurs when you are in a state between being awake and falling asleep. Now, okay, that's no big mystery there. The fascinating thing for me is the visions that people describe while they're in a state of sleep paralysis. And the reason why it's called sleep paralysis is because when you are in this in-between state of being awake and being asleep, you have no, you can't move. You are literally paralyzed. That's because the brain switches into a different mode when you fall asleep. Uh, a lot of your, you know, bodily functions slow down uh, and your metabolism shifts everything to where it's needed while you're asleep. And since most people don't need muscle movement uh, when they are in a deep sleep, that's why you're paralyzed. Anyway, I found a video that lists some eight scary, real, supposed real-life sleep paralysis stories. It's about 10 minutes long, and I think we have just enough time to take a look at this video and let's see what some of the horror stories out there about sleep paralysis. Here we go. So this is eight true sleep paralysis stories. This is a phenomenon sleep that I'm paralysis. fascinated by. A phenomenon in which the body is frozen in a state of sleep, but the mind remains fully conscious of its surroundings. A person is able to move his or her eyes to look around their room, but are completely unable to move the rest of their body. Though only a small percentage of the population can be described as frequent sufferers, at some point in each of our lives, there is a chance that, without warning, we'll suffer from an episode of sleep paralysis ourselves, and be plunged somewhere between our dream and reality. That would scare the life out of me. There are ways of inducing sleep paralysis. Though this is not recommended for the following reason. Yeah, please nobody try this. Though sleep paralysis isn't dangerous by itself, for many, these episodes are frequently accompanied by extremely realistic hallucinations that seep in from our dreams. Unfortunately, though there are reports of people having pleasant visions, there are a vast number of accounts where people have experienced some truly horrifying encounters. All the ones these range I've heard from ghosts to demons and even alien abductions. Other symptoms include a crushing feeling upon one's chest, difficulty in breathing, and an overwhelming feeling of fear and dread. These experiences feel so realistic, they can have a psychological impact on the sufferer's daily lives, and in some rare instances, harmful physical reactions. Here are but a handful of true stories experienced by those unlucky enough to be visited by these dream spectres. I used to have sleep paralysis on a monthly basis. Most of the incidents were basically the same. 
I'd be sleeping on my back. I could see the room, but couldn't move my eyes. Usually, dark figures would appear in the peripheral of my vision. The figures would terrify me. I had to scream myself awake, usually starting as a low growl and developing into a scream. My significant other could testify to this. But a few occasions stand out. Once I had a dark figure whisper into my ear. It was some sort of nursery rhyme. The craziest part of it is that it was in mono. I could only hear it in the ear that was being whispered into. The scariest was when I was surrounded by dark figures and they were stabbing me in the abdomen. The pain was so intense, I went to the hospital that morning because my appendix had burst. Colette, is there any treatment for this? Sleep paralysis for me, apart from the obvious paralysis part, is usually accompanied by sheer, unimaginable terror. It takes different forms, but it tends to be a pitch black creature of some sort, and all I can say is it's a hundred times more terrifying than anything you could imagine while you're sitting there fully awake and conscious. You imagine and visualize this thing, which you have no escape from, and there's nothing you can do apart from hoping it ends soon. Also, you might try and move or speak, but you never really know if you're doing it in real life or in this semi-dream state. It takes a tremendous amount of effort either way. I remember once waking up in sleep paralysis and trying to call to someone, and hearing my brother on the other side of the door ask me if I was trying to talk to him. My brother doesn't live with me, but it seemed absolutely real at that moment. Wow. Not mine, but this is what my friend told me when he had a sleep paralysis episode. He woke up but noticed his body couldn't move, so he just sat there looking forward. He started hallucinating because he was half asleep. He sees a weird man hobble into his room and next to his bed. He can't see him anymore because he's in the blind spot next to the bed. After waiting in fear for a few minutes, he pops his face right in front of his head, and he's covered in blood. Jeez. I hear my back door being forced open, lying on the couch. I can't stir myself. I hear hurried footsteps crossing the linoleum in the kitchen, then the hardwood in the dining area, getting closer to where I am in the living room. I can't move, I can't even yell out. I managed to regain consciousness at the last possible moment before I likely suffocate due to my sleep apnea. This happens about 50-70% to 70 of the time I pass out drunk on the couch, 100% if I'm on my back. I know someday I'm going to die like that. Not from an actual intruder, but dreaming of my end, and then realizing it while I'm suffocating. The nightmares I have due to sleep apnea have made me nuts. I have a few different sleep paralysis demons, and one sort of sleep paralysis guardian angel. The demon ones are usually shadowy figures standing over me or by my bedroom door. The worst one was when I was lying on my side with my back to the bedroom door, and it felt like someone got into the bed behind me. Under the covers, they put their arm around my waist. Then it felt like they were cuddling into me, and I could feel their breath on my neck. It felt like they had cuddled me for about half an hour. All this time I'm trying not to show that I'm panicked because it feels like I'm getting cuddled by a skeleton with claws. 
It was only about the second, maybe third time I'd had sleep paralysis. So I nearly have a heart attack, when it feels like this thing's moving in closer to kiss me behind the ear. Worst of all, know, it whispered, the demon that wants Not yet. I don't know. You're not ready yet. I'll come back when you are. To me, it sounded disappointed and excited. It felt like it was silently telling me that it was coming back when I was about to die. This scared the fucking shit out of me. My sleep paralysis guardian angel was a weird experience. I'd been getting sleep paralysis on and off for about 18 months by this point, so I could usually tell straight away when it was happening. At first I thought this was the usual demon thing beside my bed. But when I looked properly, I realized I could see a man kneeling next to my bed, smiling at me. It wasn't a creepy smile. More like a parent coming in to check on their kid. He looked like he was dressed in a 50s style suit and hat. Hey Z, he didn't we say anything. Are watching a video Although I got the sense he was paralysis. letting me know everything was alright. And he'd look after me. Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. Could you please repeat it? Two. I would usually only have this happen to me a few times, but lately it's happening every night. It usually starts with me feeling as if I'm being stared at from my closet, shadows darting across the room or a deep voice speaking gibberish. After this I break out into a sweat and can't move at all. After a while I feel a heavy weight on my chest and arms, as if someone is sitting on me. Then I feel freezing cold hands start to choke me. I start thrashing my arms and try to scream for help but just quiet whimpers are all I can manage. This happens almost every night now, even during the day when I nap. I swear one time my pillow was being used to suffocate me with. I rarely sleep because of this occurrence. I'm new to this thing, or sleep paralysis, and it's scary since I can't break free. Because it's summer break where I am, I'm kind of sleep deprived, so I end up taking a nap at my friend's house. Well, in my sleep, my head felt like a power outlet was being uploaded into it. I could control it to some extent based on what I think about. This wasn't uncommon, and I learned to cope with it. So in the midst of this, I have my eyes closed from pain. I finally take control of my eyes and open them, to see what looks like a woman standing in front of the door. She gets on all fours, and crawls onto my bed. She was hideous. It was like she was decaying right in front of me. She slowly and lightly rubbed my cheek, but slowly became fastly, and rubbing became clawing. And it gets cloudy from here, but from what I remember, she fucking reaches into my chest and rips my heart out. It felt so real. I started forcing myself to move and I woke up screaming. Colette, my friend burst your into daughter have nightmares I simply told him my story. I was physically and mentally shaken. I was laying on my back, and clear as day I hallucinated a mouse ran over my body. I was in college, and the dorm was messy as hell, so I thought it could be real. No big deal. Then I realized I was starting to have trouble breathing. I looked down, and I saw a very large black snake wrapping itself around my torso. I swear it was so fucking real. By far the most vivid episode I ever had. When I finally woke, I was screaming, and it scared the shit out of my roommates, who were playing video games. I freaked out and stood up and explained to them what happened. They looked at me like I was crazy, 
I used to kind of like sleep paralysis, but no more after that one. Now when I feel it coming on, I force myself to wake up. So, there you have it. Now if you're ever lying in bed, unable to move and you see- Well, wow. I mean, all I can say is, it is fascinating to me. I guess I'm lucky in a way. I know I dream when I sleep, but I just don't remember it. I don't remember, I don't have any bad reoccurring nightmares. I do every now and again have a dream that I find disturbing, but it's not, it's not very often at all. And there's so many stories like we just heard of seeing figures and all these horrifying events happening during sleep paralysis. What I w I'd love to know is before the paralysis uh, episode started, was there a history of nightmares that these people were having and then sleep, you know, it turned into sleep paralysis and they were experiencing these nightmares in between being awake and asleep and it's just, it's crazy. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I taught myself how to wake up from nightmares. I'm just, like I said, I don't, I don't remember my dreams. And from what I hear, I'd rather just leave it that way. Anyway, guys, we are out of time. Uh, it's been amazing. Lindsay writes, holy crap, I have nightmares, but nothing like that. Yeah, neither do I, Lindsay. Uh, you guys have been awesome as always. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Don't forget our two interviews starting on Monday, Dave Davis on Monday, and then uh, Marnie Carpenter from Clarice on Tuesday. I hope everyone enjoys their weekend. Please stay safe. Uh, very much looking forward to our two interviews. Make sure you tune in both Monday and Tuesday. They should be fascinating discussions. Visit our website at deadtalklive.com. If you're on YouTube right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. Thank you so much. And until Monday, guys, stay safe. Have a great weekend. And always stay walking. Till Monday.